I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Round Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Round Podcast for April 17th, 2009, and we address a listener question and look at some alternative approaches to Shin Buddhist practice. Okay, so this time around, we thought we would discuss um, this question that we received through our website. Um, the question has to do with a, uh, a book called Dharma Punks, which was written by a, a guy named Noah Levine. And Noah Levine's story is that he um, grew up, I think, late 70s, early 80s, and was involved in the punk movement and suffered uh, alcoholism and drug abuse and, and through all of that found Buddhism. So our listener starts with that question and he comes to us with um, a question about sort of Dharma punk like things within Shinshu. And he says, uh, he notices that they practice mostly meditation and he says, it seems like all the Shin discussions and institutions I've run into are either scholarly or temple in Japan focused. I'm wondering if you have heard of any similar youth street-level-oriented approach within Shin Buddhism. It certainly strikes me as a similar approach to that which Shinran in his day took, and yet I am finding that the very organized, established, or quote-unquote proper elements of the Jodo Shinshu approach to the Dharma has, in fact, been an obstacle um, that I've had to wrestle with since I began practice. Mm. There's a lot in this question that's really, I think, very, very cool. (laughs) So one of the uh, interesting points uh, in this question is when he asks if there are uh, kind of youth or youth meaning, I think, 20s, 30s, right? Uh, Or street-level oriented approach within Shin Buddhism. Uh, And it's a really good question. Uh, You know, Shin Buddhism is a big topic, right? Mm -hmm. Shin Buddhism means anybody who self-identifies as Jodo Shinshu or organizations, Right? And there may even be people within BCA, for example, that don't even consider themselves Shin Buddhist, but they pay dues. So, I mean, it's like this huge umbrella, right? Uh-huh. So here, um, uh, if, we, if we ask about the BCA itself, Buddhist Churches of America, yeah. um, it's very much an institution with churches. So on the local level, uh, there are churches. And it's really kind of a family-oriented Buddhism. Right. Right. So when you go to temple, there are anywhere from little kids who are like three or four all the way up to people in their 90s, um, all kind of coexisting in the same place. So I think that that um, has somewhat of an impact um, on what is kind of possible here. Mm. Um, Of course, there are youth groups which kind of operate within that all ages kind of um, umbrella, but also do things on their own and have, you know, I guess in the old days, like what, 30, 40 years ago, they would have like 2000 people at a YBA, Young Buddhist Association conference. Um, and so the, the YBA was like a very alive um, and exciting, but it was also very social. Right. It right. was about bowling and dances and, you know, getting <laughs> together with other Japanese Americans, very ethnic, Mm-hmm. Very ethnic, I think. It was for Japanese Americans to be able to meet other Japanese Americans that weren't necessarily in their neighborhood and, you know, meet all these other people and have this very social experience. In the past five or ten years, the numbers have gone way down to where we can maybe get a hundred people for a conference. Hmm. You know. Um so that YBA kind of approach to youth 
is has changed a lot, and it's own it's not the only thing, right? It's not the only answer. Um, it's still tied very much to the temple, I think, and maybe younger than we're even talking about here. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think our problems historically has been after high school. <laughs> then what happens? And right. the, the answer seems to have been. Eh, you know, our kids went to Dharma school until they, you know, graduated from high school. And then they went off to college and kind of disappeared. And we see them on holidays maybe. and But they don't really go to temple then. And, you know, right. maybe in their 30s or 40s they come back. Yeah, well, I was about to say that kind of the, the, the family Buddhism cuts both ways, right? On the mm-hmm. one hand, I think that family Buddhism is great um, because it addresses uh, a very real need people have. You know, I've read in sort of the mainstream Buddhist publications, people lamenting that they don't know what to do with their kids when they want to go to meditation retreats or whatnot. Um, Well, you know, the BCA has an answer to that. You know, you send your kids to Dharma school, so you don't have to divorce your Buddhist practice from your family life, which I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. The the flip side of that, and I think it's one of the problems you're talking about in the BCA, is that if you don't have a family, where do you fit in? Mm -hmm. Right? Uh You know, if you're a kid, you fit in because you have parents, and if you're a parent, you fit in because you have kids, but if you're in between those phases. <laughs> mm-hmm. It can be and a even bit more if you challenging. are a kid, um, but you're off in college or yeah, yeah. out of college, and you don't want to go be among the same people all over again. It's almost like I think there's a reaction. Sure. And so many people, I mean, I was talking to a member the other day who was complaining, not complaining, but she was lamenting that, you know, the kids, my kids, one of them became Christian and one, you know, they don't come to church anymore. There's a mm. minister who like only one of their four or five kids is involved in church. The others have nothing to do with it. And so I think that is one of the, it's the double-edged sword of, yeah. of family Buddhism, that it becomes something to rebel against. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Something yeah. to reject. Right. Um, and I think that it's uh, tricky here in the States because it seems to me like the BCA is interested in bringing more people in, mm-hmm. not just the children of existing family mem- uh, temple members, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, converts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be difficult to get into the BCA and understand what the practice is. And I think yeah. that question of practice is sort of implicit in, in our listener's question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, particularly he talks about the Dharma Punks book, and I think that, um, you know, Dharma Punks is a meditation-centric organization, um, which is fine. Um but that's a one particular approach to practice, um, and as we've as I've said to you before, I think that the, the the Shin approach to practice is that practice is not something that you go and do, but every aspect of your life is practice. Right. That's so interesting, because if that's the case, then when when you get together, what do you do? <laughs> you go bowling. <laughs> huh. I mean, obviously there are things you can do. You can sit and have a service. Yeah chant a sutra or something. Um, you can listen to a Dharma talk mm-hmm. or you can sit around and talk about stuff, discuss this kind of thing, which is, I think there's a model that um, we didn't mention yet, which is the dojo. Yeah. yeah we think yeah, yeah. of karate dojo, right? But dojo means place of, of the path, literally. Right. So this place where like-minded people get together uh, to discuss, to be together um, and that was the model in very early, early Shinshu, Shinshu communities. Right? Very yeah. early Shinshu communities with the dojo model. There were right. no elaborate temples. There were no, well, there, there was probably some hierarchy, but it wasn't a fixed sort of minister hierarchy that we come to expect now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and I think they even had the word of, uh, there was another Japanese word for 
like way people or something like that, like dojo, but. Oh, ondobo, ondogyo, which means like fellow practicers. Right. Yeah, so yeah. fellow practicers will get together in a dojo and probably go bowling. <laughs> <laughs> Dharma bowling. <laughs> Right, and that was an early model, too, where Shinran didn't see himself as better than others because he was a minister. He had that. We're fellow practicers. We're all ondobo, ondogyo. This, we're, we're all in this together. We're all on the same level. Right. And then when you get the institution build up and you get um, the, the expert priests, right, and then the lay people, um, Shinshu doesn't emphasize the difference as much, but it's still there. Yeah, yeah sure. So I think that's a constant tension in Shinshu yeah. of this priesthood um, and uh, versus the lay. Right. Um, Right. I mean, Shinshu is usually described as a lay organization by mm-hmm. non-Shin Buddhists. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think of it as a lay organization because we have ministers. Right. And you're around <laughs> them a lot at IBS and me and right. right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's, oh, I think there's a couple of things going on in there, but I think that's true that there is that tension between, you know, the, the community of followers in the dojo versus this hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, getting back to your question, what do you do? When you get together in the dojo, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never, I've never really. Well, no, I have. I think. Ideally, I think that people would share their experiences and ask each other questions. The problem is sometimes when there's a minister there, everyone turns to the minister for the answer. Mm. When I think the ideal model is more that people talk to each other without there being a resident expert and share their experiences, and yet. They're studying, they're open, they're learning, so that um, it isn't just like a (laughs) free-for-all, you know, that there is an awareness of what the teachings are, um, but that ideally it would be. So again, this is kind of anti-establishment in a way, and, you know, that um, we don't have this necessarily institutional hierarchy and that in an ideal situation, people would be uh, Mm. talking to each other, sharing their experiences, learning from each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one that's see, um, I think BCA is going to change a lot in the next twenty years or so, and we're already seeing a lot of the changes. And um, the kids that went away to college, we're beginning to keep contact with them, and I think the internet is helping out a lot with that. Um, and social networking sites like Facebook, and um, you know, people are staying in touch more with this kind of self-identification as Buddhists. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, yeah, my buddy from two years ago. It's like, no, these are people that you know I've gone to church with or go to um, retreats with. And so they have this shared experience as Buddhists. And so I think that's one of the areas that's kind of fertile and yet um, tra- problematic of what kind of quote-unquote organization do we need for college-age kids, for after college, for that 20s to 30s kind of age um, is it going to be Japanese-American? Is it still going to be totally ethnic? Or are we going to have new models? Where, or are we going to have different groups? Um, they're beginning, the the um, Japanese-American kids I see staying in touch more now with this kind of, where they have this the CYBA, college YBA, yeah. right? Or um, there used to be these groups, ABBA, Adult Buddhist Association. And though that was people, I think, in their 30s or so, late 20s, 30s. They just like the band ABBA. Yeah. <laughs> But then they got older, but they kept the ABBA thing. So they had to make YABA, Young Adult Buddhist Association. But then they kept getting older and older. So what do you do? It's like the group just keeps moving forwards. Uh But do we even need a group? 
But sometimes if you don't have a group, it gets too diffuse and nothing happens. So it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm on, I feel like I'm almost on the outside because a lot of my senior seniors in the ministry are, have seen it over the past 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. and seen how these groups kind of dissolve um, because there's nothing over to time. hold them together. Right. But do we really need a group? Because sometimes when you get the group, it's what happens to someone new coming in. It can be really hard to, to um, get into that group. Hmm. Um, yeah. But I think that uh, it seems to me like a lot of this stuff has to happen somewhat organically. Yes. If I can use a silly word that I don't like using very often. No, I, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think that, you know, it, I, I, to go back to this question and to go back to the, the model of the dojo or the model of Shinohan himself, I mean, it seems to me sort of counterintuitive for the BCA institutionally to say, okay, let's make a group for these people so that they can get together and foster the Dharma or practice Buddhism. Well, that seems forced. It doesn't seem genuine. It doesn't seem like you can just make that happen. I think you have to allow for it to happen and, and maybe create a way to support that when it does happen, you know, when people want to get together, have a space for them to do that, you know, and I think that's one of the good things about a place like the, the Jodo Shinshu Center, where we are right now, um, <laughs> is just that, that create, that's an actual physical location. You know, okay, right, right, right. I want to start a new group, a street-oriented Buddhist group, whatever. Um, you know, I can have a place to do that, mm-hmm. theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully the organization will support that without forcing it to happen or without being resistant to letting it happen. And just sort of letting it happen and grow as it needs to. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, you think that, you know, 50 or 60 years ago when the first um, adult Buddhist group or whatever these groups are, when they first got together, it was probably the same way, right? It was probably just that, you know, and, and really, honestly, like the, the history of the BCA is from that same point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, the history of the BCA was that there were Japanese Americans here and they were like, huh, we need a minister. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. We need spiritual guidance. Right. And so they asked the Honganji in Kyoto to send over a minister. It wasn't a top-down approach. It wasn't that the Honganji said, aha, we need to send ministers to the to the America. It was that there were Japanese-American farmers wow. who were doing one of two things. Either they wanted wives and they wanted to get married, or they were dying and they needed somebody to perform the funerals. And so they asked the Honganji to send people over. Or I've also heard that there were all these single men running around right. and having, you know, like I said, <laughs> <laughs> didn't have the the whether we're going to call it moral guidance or spiritual yeah. Um, guidance, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, again, that's 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 happening organically. So mm-hmm. I think that that's interesting. You know, so the BCA roots of the BCA is very much grassroots in a way. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> So, I mean, that's uh, that's something to consider, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. to allow for that to happen. So I think you need to foster those sort of inspirational people that already exist in the community, mm-hmm. right, to take the lead and make it happen. Right. I, don't, yeah. I don't know how to do that. I'm not right. I'm not a community organizer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But somehow. <laughs> that's interesting, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there's a, there's a group now called the Y Generation mm-hmm. Group, and they're having a... Um, a seminar called Techno Buddha on, I think it's in April, uh, April 4th. And uh, it's an interesting group. It's a loose association of people with similar interests, I guess, similar age. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be like 21 to 40, I think, is their cutoff. Um, and they're meeting here. They're having a weekend retreat. Um, 
So maybe, uh, maybe we'll see more of that. Right. Of people, yeah, that it can't be up to the minister or up to the institution to create these groups and then hope that people show up. It, the interest has to be there already. Yeah. And yeah. then it'll just And you kind of have to happen. tap into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and hopefully somebody will sort of take the lead, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, see, I see the, the um, family. I think that the Sunday service, for example, mm-hmm. I don't think it can be the only way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, getting back to that issue of practice, uh, when I said that I think that, you know, Jodish and Shu practice is sort of, in, you know, your whole life becomes practice, um, that's a nice rhetorical flourish. Um, but I think you need to have a certain space to go practice, to practice doing practice, which is what Sunday service... <laughs> Harry is looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I, well, we've we've talked about this before. <laughs> that I think that there's this idea of um, you know part of doing Buddhist practice is doing practice for something else. Um, mm-hmm. You know, taking the word practice literally as I'm I'm practicing, like I'm practicing for the big game on Sunday night, mm-hmm. right? Um, practicing for my piano recital, right? Um, <clears throat> that metaphor I think breaks down really easily, but. <laughs> But the idea is that you would, um, you know, you do meditation practice or you do Sunday service practice or you do chanting practice in order to make the rest of your life work better. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. That was, that's my sort of, that's, that's the model I'm looking at. You know, practice is practice for the rest of your life. It's not practice for then. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're already in the dojo, if you're already in the Zendo, if you're already on the cushion, mm-hmm. you're fine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the rest of your life that needs help. <laughs> so I think that the Sunday service can is is good for that, and I think that other places where people can get together and talk about the Dharma or do other Shin practices or whatever would also be good in order to help promote that idea into the rest of people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I, we, we keep joking about bowling, but I think that that's not a bad thing. Getting together with a bunch of people who have similar interests in the Dharma and then going and doing something that you don't think of as necessarily practice or as necessarily Dharmic or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is still, I think, a valid time spent. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you're still learning about Buddhism by being with other Buddhists and, you know, being aware of what you're doing and why you're there and whatnot, even if you're doing something that doesn't necessarily look like Buddhism. Right, 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 right. right. Interesting, huh? The, um, yeah, because <laughs> that bums me out sometimes when um, it could be memorial service or church or, um, you know, a conference or something or a seminar. And it's like we spend all this time in the room, uh, you know, doing service and then, you know, listening to Dharma talk. And then afterwards, it's like you go to lunch or whatever and you just talk about everyday stuff. And sometimes I wonder, you know, shouldn't. Isn't there some way we could keep talking about Buddhism? Couldn't there be like more conversation about Buddhism? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be that all the time. There's still the, the just living and being and being together and um, sharing of life experiences right. um, without it necessarily being explicitly Buddhist. So we do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe for, that's where it's interesting where you have a solitary person, yeah. someone who's on their own, who doesn't have a community, then it can be that... That's kind of the experience challenge. you don't have. That's the challenge, yeah. That's the challenge. Mm. And that's the, I think that's the, the fundamental challenge with the BCA is that 
because it's so family centric, if you're not already part of a family, it's very hard Mm -hmm. as an individual Mm -hmm. to come into that environment because you don't have a pre-existing connection, you know, particularly if you're not Japanese American, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) You know, I was thinking earlier when you're talking about the, the, um, the, Techno Buddha mm-hmm. and the the Y generation and all that kind of stuff. And you said a lot of these were Japanese kids, and it's like, well, you know, in a lot of ways they have a pre-existing connection. Right, right, right. You know, through ethnicity. Well, it can be difficult if you don't have a sort of Absolutely. pre-existing connection. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it's a challenge. It's, it's it's a legitimate challenge. And I think that I think that's a continuing challenge for BCA right now yeah. because the temples have kind of opened up. And it's not, and, and you know, to, I want to come back to that, but I also want to stress that it's not just the BCA. I think it's a, a lot of religious organizations have mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. problem, whether they're, you know, Japanese American Buddhist or Japanese American Christian or mm-hmm. Jewish or Italian American, yeah, Catholic. whatever. Yeah, I mean, a lot of organizations have that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for people who don't feel comfortable to just to break in. Right, right. So you were saying? <laughs> no, just the. Um, um, I think we have seen it in a large part. Well, I'm in the Bay Area now, so it's easier to see. But a lot of it happens through intermarriage. Mm-hmm. Again, family. Right. There's still a family <laughs> connection. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then um, I don't see it as much on the youth level, like YBA or whatever. But again, family. It's like working with the pre-existing con- conditions, mm-hmm. um, uh, ethnic relationships, or, or right. not ethnic, you know, but no, the ethnic side is there, right? So, sure. And, 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 you know, I don't think all hope is lost. I mean, I've met a lot of very interesting people from both in the Bay Area but also outside the Bay Area who, you know, stumbled upon Shinshu somehow and, mm-hmm. you know, really connected and really made the effort to create those connections and, you know, are bound to change things mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. by their presence, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, and I think that they are latching on to existing systems or organizations or committees or whatever, but they didn't initially have a family connection. So it's possible. It's just not readily obvious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, I think there has to be a balance between fostering new kinds of organizations within the BCA mm-hmm. um, and letting them grow organically. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. Yeah, a big challenge. Because I, we're already overtaxed as it is with the old model. Mm. Yeah, and, and we don't want to, I don't, you know, on that note, I don't think we necessarily need to, you know, burn the old model to the ground and start from right, scratch. Right, right, right. But I mean, it's like to, in order to try and create, we're always talking about outreach and, you know, trying to um, get, you know, new people into the church or whatever. But it's like, it's hard enough as a minister, you know, doing all the memorial services for these families that have been in the area for like a hundred years or whatever. And, you know, the, the Sunday services and, you know, what we already have is already a lot of work. And then to then be putting all this extra effort into the, I mean, it's necessary, but it's difficult. Yeah, I'm going to throw you a, a monkey wrench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, maybe it's not about being a minister. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what you said, I think, is true, that it can be very hard as a minister to, to to do all these things in addition to all the other responsibilities you have as a minister, but maybe it shouldn't be that, maybe that's not your role. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to hope that people are going to create more grassroots organizations within the communities, then maybe it, it can't be ministers. Right, 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 right. Maybe it has to be, you know, lay members, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, who have their own sort of leadership roles, yeah. you know, and that's going back again to this whole anti-establishment kind of shtick, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like this, you know, we have this tradition that 
you know, really supports and glorifies the fact that we're all in this together, we're all equal, and yet we still go back to this thing of, well, you know, what does the minister think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's still very much this hierarchy, and it's like, well, okay, I, I value ministers, and don't quit your job. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's an interesting tension, right? It's an interesting tension. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, um, I was thinking the Myokonin, mm-hmm. um, and that there's this tradition in Jodo Shinshu of these uh, Myokonin, these incredibly wonderful people. I mean, it's not, it's a technical term, but the, <laughs> the literal translation isn't all that technical. But um, these people who had, um, you know, have some kind of spiritual experience and have a very deep uh, awakening uh, to the Dharma, and that these stories began being collected, I think, during the Tokugawa period, the Edo period, um, pre modern. And, um, but it's interesting because some of the stories are very anti-establishment, but a minister was collecting the stories. And so I've heard that the different collections or, you know, different stories may emphasize more that anti-establishment side, but whereas others, that anti-establishment side is kind of smoothed over Mm -hmm. and kind of hold up. Yes. Look at these wonderful people that, um, have attained, you know, this, um, awakening or not awakening, but, you know, had these, you know, deep spiritual experiences, um, you should try and be more like them. Look how docile they are or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but, um, you know, that um, there are these different levels, whereas there's other stories where, you know, they're telling off the minister saying the minister doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, these kind of um, more being very critical of the ministers and that, you know, going back to that more democratic and um, even playing field, maybe. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, who knew this is where we're going to end up? This is great, though. Um, I'm, you know, personally, it's a, it's a work in progress for me. You know, the, the um, uh, as BCA develops, it's not like kind of like you say, it's not something that we can force to happen. Yeah. It's not something that uh, we can um, control. Yeah, and and I think that we often think of religious organizations as these static, you know, unchanging things. And I think that you know, religious organizations tend to be conservative in the sense that they take a long time to change. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but they do change. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the BCA is certainly, I'm sure that it's, it's profoundly different today than it was even 30 or 40 years ago. Um, Even 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's only gonna, who knows how it's going to change in the future, but I think it's an, uh, actually personally, I think it's a fascinating time to, (laughs) to see what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what happens when you send us your questions. We have <laughs> interesting <laughs> new things to think about, and uh, hopefully I think we come up with something new just in the conversation, and maybe that's where uh, this dojo model can um, be really, really uh, powerful. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we need to kind of turn back more towards that uh, in a way or, or begin trying to emphasize that more, that we don't need a minister standing by to answer everyone's questions. Oh, you know, Harry's that, out of a um, job. <laughs> no, I want a break. Are you kidding? <laughs> Um, but I'll it, be outside. It, I'll be in the next room <laughs> drinking coffee and playing video games. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but through, through this, maybe, and that's what I think what I like about our podcast um, is that through this conversation, we don't have a script, right? We're yeah. not, we haven't decided what we're going to talk about beforehand that, you know, it's through this conversation uh, that new ideas come out um, and that we maybe come up with different ways of thinking about things. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, I think we should, in all seriousness, be very grateful and um, we're very thankful that people are sending us their questions. Yeah. And keep, keep it up. Yeah. We'll do a live show someday. Yeah, we would, that's our new idea uh, that came from uh, someone else, is to have a live podcast. Not meaning live like it's being sp- uh, broadcast live, but that we uh, do the, record it in front of an audience. Uh, so that's a potential project for the, this coming year. 